Horse Racing Heroes is proudly sponsored by Horse Racing Ireland. For more great racing stories, sign up to our weekly newsletter on hri.ie. Horse Racing Ireland, for every racing moment. Hello there, and welcome along to Season 2, Episode 5 of Horse Racing Heroes, the racing podcast with no betting tips or news chat, but with every episode simply being about one great horse or person in racing. And this episode is about a horse called Mr. Benedictine, and crucially, it is with the man who trained him for the vast majority of his career, Brendan Duke. In case anyone doesn't know, I've previously made an episode of this show with Brendan. It's season one, episode seven, and I strongly recommend listening to that if you haven't already. Uh, Brendan is an incredible storyteller, an absolute gentleman, and just a brilliant character. I enjoyed speaking to him so much that first time that I knew leaving his yard that day that I'd love to go back and interview him again. And thankfully, he was kind enough to oblige. Now, before we begin, a sincere word of thanks to the show sponsors, Horse Racing Ireland. HRI are kindly sponsoring all 10 episodes of season two of this podcast. And not only that, they also produce some other great racing content, which you can find on their social media channels all of which are linked in the show notes, or you can go and search their hashtag every racing moment. And now, without further ado, let's get listening to one of the great raconteurs in racing, Brendan Duke, telling us all about Mr. Benedictine. Okay, Brendan, great to be here again. Thank you very great much. To see you. Good to see you. Uh, when we last spoke, it was about the wonderful open night. Correct. Um, a horse you owned, bred, and trained. Yes. We're here today to talk about Mr. Benedictine, who's quite a, a different type. You got this horse uh, as a three-year-old from William Muir. Uh, he'd ran 18 times for him by that point. So how, tell me, how did he come onto your radar, this horse? Well, what actually happened was, Mark, I got a call from a friend of my brother's, um, August, late July, August time, I want to buy a racehorse. Now, at that stage, he'd never been involved in racing before. And I said, um, well, what, what type of a horse do you want, Noel? Well, he said, I want something that can run now. Right, I said, <coughs> On the flatter of hurdles, he said, I don't mind. Can we get one that might do both? I said, yes, but I said, you're going to have to leave this with me. Anyway, I just, he hadn't enough, he wasn't spending a lot of money, but it was probably a lot of money for him, okay? And um, my partner at the time, Angie, was selling horse supplements um, in the UK and doing quite a bit of business in Lambourne and was particularly friendly with Willie Muir's sister. Now, I used to meet Willie every day on the gallops. And he had this horse, Mr. Benedictine, and I used to watch him every morning. And I, I, he wasn't a big horse, but I liked him. And it got on into August time and Angie was in Willie and she said, by the way, she said, if you have a horse, 
um, for not too big a money, Brendan has a client for a horse. He said, we have a horse there, Angie. He said, my owner wants to restock. He's a grand little horse. He's perfectly sound, but he's not just good enough for my owner. And he wants to restock. So I rang up Willie and I said, um, you have a horse? Yeah, I said, Mr. Benedict Tim Brendan. He said, do you want to look him up? I said, I know him. I said, what's the story? <laughs> so he asked me the right price for the horse. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, Willie, I said, I'll have him. Do you want to have him vetted? I said, I want to have him nothing. I said, I want to have him in the yard. That's where I want him. Well, he said, then what do you want him for, Brandon? <laughs> well, I said, Willie, I am hoping he might make up into a, a juvenile hurdler for me. Brandon, he said, to be honest with you, he said, he wouldn't get two miles in the horse box. Well, I said, it's like this, Willie. I said, he's sound. He's by Mr. Bailey's. The dam is by a son of Nordran Dancer, quite a good sire, whose name escapes me at the moment, but I don't think got the patronage he should have. Dam's name was Cultural Role. I said, I'll send John the money. <laughs> he said, I'll, shall I get the horse left up today? I said, do not do any such a thing. I said, when you have the money in your account, I said, you drop me up there. No, no, no. Anyway, the horse arrived in September. Grand, Christian of a horse, very professional, totally clean-limbed. And I rang my owner and I said, look, I've bought your horse. His name is Mr. Benedictine. Um, when will he run? I said, we'll start him off over hurdles. I said, in six or seven weeks time I said I need to get some schooling into him first so Noel started schooling the horse for me Noel Feely and he jumped really well and I rang up Noel now this probably was the wrong horse as events unfolded in time because I rang Noel up and I said Noel the horse is running at Plumpton and um, he will run really really well um, He'd be thereabouts with a bit of luck. And Noel arrived over with his friend to Plumpton and the horse duly skated up. Okay. That kind of gave an impression that this game was simple, which we all know it's not simple. Anyway, we were running the I was running the horse then, that was 2006. And in 2007, the horse was running away, running on the flat and over hurdles, um, knocking on the door, but not winning, not winning, but competitive mm -hmm. in competitive races. But in the middle of 2007, the, the horse was pretty cost effective because he was getting prize money most times he went out. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, my instructions were very clear. I want him doing his best every time he runs. Now, that's fine, provided you are prepared to pay the fee for that vis-a-vis -vis you are making the handicapper's job easy. Mm -hmm. All right? Anyway, the middle of 2007...
the second half of 2007, we, he was second at um, Subtle in a hurdle race. Um, there was a 15 grand hurdle race in Plumpton. And I said, we go to back to Plumpton when I'm now, um, he'll run really, really well. And I copped on at this stage that I had to be really careful what I was saying. And the horse won in Plumpton, won a 15 grand hurdle race in Plumpton. And um, I said to Noel, I said, there's a 30 grand hurdle race in Limerick in, um, in October. This was September time. I said, what do you think about sending them over and having a shot at it? Oh, send them over. There's no problem. Just send them, right? Mm. Anyway, I met Ruby Walsh um, before that in Newbury. And I said, Ruby, I have a horse. I said, two miles is a trip. I said, there's a two and a quarter mile hurdle race in Limerick. I said, what are the chances of him getting two and a quarter miles around Limerick? Brendan, he said, if he doesn't get two and a quarter miles around Limerick, he will not get it anywhere. Right. Well, I said, I'm really grateful to you, um, Ruby. I said, I'll head to Limerick. He said, is that that conditions rise? I said, yeah. So Daryl Jacob came over and rode the horse in Limerick and landed him in front on the lion. Short heady one. Then over here at that stage, there was a tiger running around. Now, there were no tigers in the UK. If they were, they were in parks or zoos but there was no tigers like what was going on in Ireland. And Noel said to me, I want to buy another horse. I said, no, I said, you won't be buying a Mr. Benedictine. I said, let's forget about the price of him for a minute. I said, you will not be buying another horse like him every day of the week. This is not the way this works. But undaunted anyway, he rang me one Wednesday and he said, are you racing on the weekend? I said, I'm racing in Kempton on Saturday. He said, I'm going to come over to see you. Right, I said. So he arrived in Kempton and um, I had a runner and it won. And he said, you're going to buy me another horse. I said, right. Um, he said, buy me a yearling. I said, right. So I bought the yearling anyway, and the, year, the yearling subsequently had no ability, right? Mm-hmm. But Benny was um, pitching away there, doing his thing, and he was earning money all the time, and I decided then that we'd go chasing with him. And Noel ran them, rode him in the novice chase, and he was second. And then we ran him in the novice chase in Huntington, and he won. And he was tipping away over fences, and um, there was a novice chase in Limerick for good money. 
and having won in Limerick before, I said, we'll send him to Limerick for this, for the novice chase. Um, this was 08 now. And um, the bottom line is, he was going down the back and he made a mistake. And he fell. Daryl broke his wrist that night. <clears throat> and ever after that, he he didn't enjoy jumping chases. No fences. We didn't stop with him. But we ran him I ran him in um a novice chase in um in Newton Abbott uh, and he was third. And I now rode him again and I ran him in the novice chase. This was in 09 now in Stratford. And um, he finished fourth, and David rode him. And David came in and he said to me, BW, he says, he is not happy jumping fences. Well, I said, that's fair enough, David. I said, we won't ask him to jump fences again. This is David, David Cross. David Cross, yeah. yeah. So I said to Noel, um, we'll... Um, Give him a break now. I'm buying another horse, he said. I said, no, you just take your time here. Now, I know the tiger was running riot here at the time, at that particular time. But long story short, anyway, another horse arrived in the yard that an agent had bought. That had limited ability. Uh, it was a mare and wasn't 100% genuine. But we left Benny, gave him a bit of a break, and he came back in 2010. And in 2010, he was being third, second, fourth, second, fourth, fifth. Noel Feedy was riding him. Daryl Jacob was riding him, Mark Grant was riding him, David Cross was riding him, and Anthony McCoy had ridden him. And I had phoned up Phil Smith about the horse. And I said, look, Phil, and I found the handicappers in England very reasonable. Matthew Tester on the flash, you could have a conversation with them and they would be listening to what you'd say to them. And I got really frustrated because I said, look, he cannot win off 123. The best in the business is riding him. Play back the tapes and watch him running. He cannot win because he's too much weight. But every time he runs, He's getting clouted for being consistent. He's going up three. He's going up four. If he can't win a set off 122, how can he win off 126? Mm. How can he do it? Mm. And they said, well, we put the winner up this, that, and the other. But anyway, the horse was trying his living best to win, but couldn't win through no fault of his own. And I wasn't sending him back chasing because I, the horse was a fabulous little horse, but I wasn't risking him. He didn't enjoy it. He wasn't going to win over fences. So it wasn't going to happen. At that stage as well, 
I was coming under real pressure in England financially, that is the truth. And um, the tiger here had gone missing and I was seeing signs of distress. And I turned around and I said to his owner, I said, look, I'm going back to Ireland. This isn't paying. Now I knew his business at that stage were under real pressure, real pressure, okay? And I had personal evidence of it. So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do now. <clears throat> I said, he's been a great little horse. I said, we are where we are with him. I said, I'm going back to Ireland. I said, you need a bit of breeding space. I'll train the horse for a half share in the horse and take my chances that we win a race or two with him and it'll be lion ball what it's going to cost to train him. That's fine, he said. No problem there, Brendan. But he, he rang me about two weeks later and he said to me, um, are you going back to Ireland? I said, yes. I said, I'm meeting a man ne next week that has offered to send me 25 horses by a sire of a mare that I've won eight with in the UK. He was, I, she was first crop, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, if I can make an arrangement with him, I'm going back to Ireland. So I came over and met the man, made a deal with him. And um, didn't know I was letting myself in for it, but however. Um, now ran me back and he said, are you coming over? I said, 100%. I said, in January. He said, would you be kind enough to send that horse over? He said, to my cousin's place and we'll give him a bit of, break, of a break and I'll send them down to you April time. No problem, I said, no, that's no problem. I said, it won't do him any harm. And I said, he's a summer horse anyway. And I was sitting over on the gallop, between the two gallops, um, got out of the car, there was horses coming up the gallops, not mine. And I sees the horse going up the gallop with five or six other horses. And I was totally, well, I was amazed, but I didn't do anything about it. I waited for my horses to come up the gallop. But when the horses came up the gallop, Paul Nolan was standing at the top of the gallop. And Paul said to me, how are you getting on, Brandon? I said, fine, Paul. He said, I have one of yours. Paul, I said, I see that. Um, he said, is there anything wrong? Or Paul, I said, look, I'm very surprised because I said, I endured a bit of pain. And I said, um, I was clear that we had an arrangement that I was going to train that horse this year for half of him. But I said, clearly that isn't happening. Well, he said, what am I going to do? Well, I said, look, you proceed with caution. Mm -hmm. That's Judah, mm -hmm. right? Anyway, the next thing is the horse is running in Punchestown at the festival. This is in 2011. And I'm standing on the stand and I'm looking at this horse tumbling down in the market. And I'm saying to myself, I said, going to the races a few people rang me i said this horse in my opinion will not win this race today 
I said, I just don't think he's good enough where he's handicapped at the moment. Mm. He made a mistake at the first, ended up getting pulled up. But he ran a few times for Paul, and one run was worse than the other. And Joseph phoned me, and he said, what's going on with Mr. Benedictine? Well, now look at Joseph. I said, you know the situation there. And I said, he said, it's a waste of time now. And I said, no. Joseph being your brother. Yeah. I said, Joseph, in my opinion, I said, that horse is just lost. And he said, what do you mean lost? I said, I told you before. A 120 plus horse in my yard is very good horse over hurdles or fences. I said, an 80 plus horse on the flat to us is an exceptional horse. Now I said, that horse, Joseph, has gone from going out beside open eyed in the paddock. The two of them went out together, getting polo mints getting the VIP and getting told every day that he's a superstar. And I said, he's gone now into boarding school where he's one of about 60 or 65 and he ain't functioning. Really, he said. I said, I think that's what's wrong. But I said, look, I said, that's only an opinion. I said, I've had this opinion about horses going from pretty good small yards with professionals looking after them to a bigger yard, many times they don't, they don't function the same because they've gone from being a whale in a small pond to being a tadpole in a big pond and good horses are bright. So he ran in, Kilbe he ran in Belliestown and he really did run very badly. And he was pulled up. And that was late June, early July, whenever the festival was in Bellystown. And um, that was fine. I went to um, Galway in, it was early August. And um, I have this thing, when I go race and I stand in the parade ring on my own, and I watch the horses. Just something that I do, it's just something I enjoy doing. And I walked into the parade ring and I hadn't turned around and who came over to me, hand out only Paul Nolan. Brendan, he said, I need to shake your hand. I said, okay, Paul. He said, you are really good to me and you are really fair. He said, I wasn't listening and I've made a mistake. He said, that horse has been a disaster. I said, okay, Paul. I said, I, I know that. I said, where is he now? Oh, he said, he's out in the field. And he said, I'm not training him anymore. And he said, I don't really want to be keeping him for the winter. Well, I said, I'll tell you what, Paul. I said, are his legs clean? He said, yes. I said, I'll give you X for him. Now, it was a generous price compared to the value of the horse, mm -hmm. right, at the time. Yeah. Brendan, he said, I can't sell the horse at the moment. He said, um, I can't get in touch with this man. I said, look, I said, I'll take the horse at any time for that price if you decide to sell it. 
said, over to you. And he said, I'll win this race. I said, will you? He said, yes, I will. And the horse was eight to one. I went out and had a tenner on him, and he did win. So I was feeling I was having an okay day <laughs> going to Galway, right? <laughs> and Paul rang me, I sitting where I'm sitting here now, Mark, and the phone rang, and it was Paul on a Wednesday, very early October, and he said, would you still take that horse at the price, Brandon? I would, of course, I said. Um, Paul, well, he said, can you take him tomorrow? I said, I can. I said, that's fine. He said, he'd be up to you tomorrow. Grand, I said, Paul, we'll see him tomorrow. And I picked up the phone to Joseph, and I said, listen, I said, you need to get me X in the morning. I said, I bought you Mr. Benedictine. What, what, what are you talking about? Said, <laughs> I said, just get the money down to me in the morning that I can pay for this horse. Oh, Jesus Christ, this is right. I said, I said, what do I want with him? I said, just get the money down with you. <laughs> so he sent down the money anyway, and the horse, well, did he arrive? I said, yeah, and how is he? Well, I said, look, he will be grand. What does that mean? I said, he'll be grand. That's what it means. And he came into the yard, Mark, and as God is the judge over me, I let him out with, with open-eyed, and it was unbelievable scenes. It was just, you couldn't script it or anything else, but they just were delighted to see one another. And the next day, my brother's curiosity got the better of him, and he arrived down. He said, what are you doing? What are you going to do with this nag? He wouldn't have the, <laughs> sa he wouldn't have the same grow for horses as me, I can tell you that. But he is a builder, and he's very successful. And I find that trend with builders, they're pretty clinical when it comes to horses. But he had paid for the horse. I said, I'll tell you what you're going to do. I said, you forget all about that horse, but I said, don't forget once a month when I invoice you. I said, you pay me for the horse to train him. Do not ask me anything about him. And I said, I will ring you two weeks before he's going to win, and you do what you want to do. Because Joseph is a very good st standard of living. He's a very good business. And I don't understand this, I'll be honest with you, but he always had this thing, I'd love to have a gamble. Mm -hmm. Okay, always, 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 I'd love to have a gamble. Now I trained winners for him and all, but I'd love to have a gamble, yeah. right? I said, fair enough. I said, just don't ring me, because he could ring you four times every day and it'd be the same conversation and the same answers. Anyway, I gave the horse a chance to come together and I started cantering the horse in March. You gave him a good few months. Yes, I did. Just yeah, there. just did. He was back with your man and he was going out. He was on the walker. Mm. He was going to be a summer horse anyway. Yeah. And um, the end of January, I had to make the phone call and I said to him, look, I said, um, I'm very happy with the horse, but I said, he needs to have his palate fired, cauterized. What's that going to cost? So I said, I don't know, it doesn't matter. I said, who's going to do that? I said, 
Mary Harty is a partner down in Somerton, she's or down in um, Anglesey Lodge, and she's since retired. But she was the surgeon down there, and she was brilliant at her job. Is that Eddie's wife? Correct. Right. Okay. And um, I brought him down, told her the story. She put the scope in him. She said, I know what I need to do, Brendan. He won't be held up very long. I said, fine. Got a call that evening, collect your horse, took the horse home, did exactly what she told me to do. Started the horse back um, late February. Every day he was improving, improving, improving. And the early days of May um, 2012, I phoned my brother. Well, how's things? He said, oh, I said, absolutely fine. Now I said, you have from today to the 29th day of this month to decide what you want to do. I said, um, the horse is going to Ballinrobe in a two and a half mile hurdle in, on the 29th of May. And I said, for what it's worth, I said, he'll not get beat. Now, what price will he be? Will he be 10 to 1? I said, don't you worry. I said, he'll be 33 to 1. I said, he's dropped from a mark of 124 down to 93. And who's going to ride him? I said, David Cross is riding him. I said, I booked him at Christmas, which I did. David really? will tell you that. Yes, yeah. I did. Yes, I did. He rang me over Christmas. I said, I have a horse for you, David. I'll ring you when I'm going to run him. I'll give you a couple of weeks' notice. But said, you come over and ride him. Who is it? Mr. Benedictine. No problem, BW, he says. No problem. I'll be there. Wherever it is, he said. I said, fair enough. I will ring you. I said, no one else will ride him. Now, I said, what you're going to do is, Joseph, you're going to collect David at the airport. You're going to come down here. You're going to bring me with you, and we're going to Ballinrobe. Well, I'll bring Jared as well. That's my other brother. I said, fine. Now, I said, there's a condition on top of this. I said, I do not want to know anything about your business. Nothing, whatever, about your business. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I said, I don't want any talk about it going to Ballinrobe in the car. I said, are we clear about that? Oh, I'd say nothing. Well, I said, that's good. I said, talk about anything you like, the weather, the scenery, whatever. But I said, I don't know anything about your business. So I, at this stage, we were back now to the numerous phone calls every day. And about a week before, he says to me, look, Brendan, he said, um, how much can I have on this horse? Joseph, I said, that's, this is none of my business. I said, whatever your max is, I said, of a bet, I said, you can double it, okay? You think he's going to win? I said, I'll tell you. I said, now. Now, I said, Joseph, this is 10 days away. But I said, if this horse rocks up in Ballinrob, I said, bad as a sniper sitting high up in the stands. I said, with a really up-to-date telescopic lens, <laughs> I said, this horse will not get beaten. 
I said, this horse will not get beaten. Oh, right, right, right. Anyway, the fateful day arrived and we went to Ballinrobe and um, he says to me, I've got you couldn't this horse. I said, I don't want to know nothing about it. Um, I'll really look after you. I said, she have looked after me. I said, that's not enough for discussion here. I said, and you think he'll win? I said, I told you. I said, this won't get beat. Well, Mark, he won doing cartwheels. Mm. Cartwheels. Yeah. And David Cross, to this day, has said he is the easiest winner I ever rode in wow. my career. We nearly had to massage his shoulders on the way home <laughs> because he was still pulling at the lion, right? So, of course, oh, there was such excitement. Now, I was just delighted for the horse. I was delighted for the horse. Um, and he got us to gamble, and that was fine. And I said to him, you're coming on from Ballinrobe. And I said, he said, when will you run again now, Brendan? I said, he'll run on Friday week um, in Kilbegan. And I said, he'll win again. Will he? He says, I said, he will, yeah. Went to Kilbegan. It was much easier in Kilbegan, I felt, because he had got his money. He said, I have a little bit of money on this horse today. I said, that's fine, I want to know. Horse won in Kilbegan. And he said, this is unbelievable. He said, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I said, no, no. I said, it's not unbelievable, Joseph. I said, this is a good horse. I said, very good horse. Around 124, I said, he's a very good horse and very competitive. And we went back again to Kilbegan a few weeks later and he won again. And at that stage, he was starting to be noticed as possible Galway hurdle horse. And he was rated 128 now at this stage. It started off 93. A career high at yes. the age of nine. And I ran, I rang Lord of Mercy on him, um, Noel O'Brien. And I said, Noel, I said, he said, you did some job with Mr. Benedict. I said, I actually, no, I said, he was always a very, very good horse, a really good horse. I said, he just missed me. That's all that was wrong with him. You spoiled him, he said. I said, mm. probably, probably. I've, I've I, read, I read you spoiled him with a bottle of Guinness every evening. Was that we were giving him Guinness, yeah, giving him Guinness. I could have <laughs> given him... I could have given Moe Shandon, as far as my brother was concerned, after Ballon Rob, right? But we were sticking to Guinness with him, right? Now, he took a bit of getting back, like, you know, when, when, when he came back. He just, he, his confidence was really, really low. He, like, these good horses know when they're doing well and when they're not doing well. Yeah. And it just took a bit of time to build up his confidence. And I said to Noel, what are my chances of getting into the Galway hurdle, Noel? He said, Brendan, 128 is absolutely borderline. He said, if you are 130, you'd probably definitely get in. But to make a long story short, we didn't get in. Now, I am not saying he was going to win a Galway hurdle, but 
he would have certainly been very competitive where he was at that time of his life. Yeah. But in those big handicaps um, on the flat, or particularly in hurdles and chases in Ireland in particular, the big owners can have anything up to seven or eight runners in the race, even though some of them at the particular time of, of from a form point of view, don't merit being there, they are there. Um, some of them will be top weight and there'll be horses that down lower in the weight. It's still happening today, um, but it's part of life in Ireland. I can do nothing about it. I really believe um, in 2021 that one owner in a big handicap like that, be it flat or over jumps, should where the race is going to fail should be restricted to two runners. I really feel that. But, you know, um, that's not for me to change. But that's, to be fair to everybody, like it was not a hundred years ago that Galway, particularly the plate, was the, was the small man, small owner, small trainer in the winter time, if they had a, a horse, it wouldn't be good enough to compete. It still wouldn't be good, good enough to compete today in the vast majority of cases. But they'd keep their horse for the summer and the Galway plate was where they wanted to be. But it's very hard for those horses to get into the Galway plate now or the Galway hurdle. That's just the way it is. So it has changed hugely from that point of view. So he ran again and he was knock, knock, knocking on the door. And um, Joseph said to me, um, look, he said, go chasing with him. I said, no, I'm not down that. He said, there's a race in Kilbaggan. Um, I'll never forget this. He said, will you even enter him? I want you to enter him. I said, I'll enter him, but I'm not running him. So I entered a horse in Kilbaggan, and he came down. He said, I want this horse to run in Kilbaggan. I said, hold on there for a minute. I said, you need to use your brains here. I said, there's a horse in that race rated 104. And I said, we're rated 120. I said, I am estimating that the 104 horse, I said, is probably a 150 horse in hiding, in hiding. Mm -hmm. Now I said, you are not sending that horse out to run against him in Kilbaggan and bursting his heart and maybe get a fall and get hurt. I said, he is not running over fences. Well, he said, that's okay, Brandon. He said, you have the horse. I want out. I said, fine. I said, fine. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. So that's what happened. Now I had another man then wanted to, wanted a horse to have a bit of fun with, but wasn't in a position to buy a horse. And I said I would lease him the horse. And we had plenty of fun with him. But again, Mark, at that stage, he was being fifth, sixth. David Cross rode him for me in Down Royal. And he said, Brennan, he said, he's as game as he ever was. 
but he said he's just not able to do it with the weight he has. I said, fair enough. And I spoke to the man that had him released. I said, look, Jimmy, I said, I think this horse, we should retire him because I said, he's just, he can't help himself. I said, he's doing his level best, but I said, he's just doesn't have the legs anymore. Well, he said, I'm going to Sligo on my holidays, myself and the wife, could he run there? I said, he could. So we ran him in Sligo, looked like winning at the last, Connor Brazel rode him. Connor did everything right on him, took a few pounds off him, but from the back of the last to the lion, he just could not sustain it, right? So I said, we will retire him. And my brother Raymond lives down in Wexford, and he had this half warm bread mare that he bred. And every other day he was on the phone. Like, I'm like an agony ant for a lot of people in racing. Every other day he was on the phone. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I said, I can solve your problem for you now. I said, you sell her before you get hurt. And I said, I have a horse here. I'll send them down to you. I said, you will have a really enjoyable time with him. I said, he's a Christian of a horse. I said, I'll give you the horse, Raymond. I said, I'll give you the horse. But I said, you treat him like a prince. But I said, sell that mare you have. What will I get for her? I said, whatever you get for her. I said, don't put a saddle on her again. Just sell her. So I got a call about a week later. I've sold her. I said, right, I'll have the horse dropped down to you. And she rings me every other day about the delight of this horse. He rides him out and mm. he's, he's down there. He lives on his own with chickens and I don't know what else. But the, he rides him out with, um, he rides him out around the road and hacks around with him. And the two of them get on like a house on fire. And is he still going today? Oh, just got a call yesterday to tell me how mad he was. Uh, uh, out um, a tractor and a silage thing on the front of it came along and he didn't think it was a good idea. He didn't think the tractor should be on that road. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's gone great. At the age of 18. Yeah, he looks great. Yeah. Oh, look, sure, he's a horse. These horses, he was a horse. Willie Muir is an excellent trainer. And you can be absolutely sure that from the time that horse was born, and indeed before he was born, you can be absolutely sure that he has had a very, very protected life. Now, these horses that are minded, that mares are fed and are minded and looked after, there's no issue with them living really long lives, particularly when they're doing. I think if they're let out and they're not doing, they probably don't last as long. But when they're doing, and he's doing every other day, he's riding out, he's down in Wexford, he's not far from the Strand, you know what I mean? He's doing all the time. He ran 85 times over yeah. a 10-year career. He won nine times, placed another 18 times. That, that toughness and kind of the way he takes his race, and it reminds me a bit of open-eyed. Well, you see, again, it goes back to the minding. He won from two to nine. Yeah. He won as a two-year-old. Yeah. He, and, I mean, he's quite a, a remarkable warrior of a horse because he won, he won on the flat. 
he won over hurdles and he won over fences. But um, undoubtedly the most significant day of his life was in the west of Ireland um, when he won that day. But my goodness me, he was thrown in that day because he had come right back to himself, you know. Yeah. I mean, prior to that day, our, our, we have a mutual friend, Paul Binfield, yes. said he, he was lucky enough to be here when uh, Mr. Benedictine did a piece of work before that run in Ballinrobe. And so he said he, he just, it was sensational. Yes, we worked um I walked him up um, Walchus Hill one morning with two other horses. One of them was not mine and he was pretty highly thought of. And um, his work was brilliant. But he was a, a horse that he's like the other fella. He, he would always be looking at you, was that good enough? He'd always be doing his very best for you. Mm. You know, he, he was just that kind of a horse. It, but it's amazing, you learn every day with horses, that's the way it is, but people would say, horses don't remember, horses don't do this. The other significant thing about him was he the, the reunion with Open Eye, that was, that was amazing, because they used to be out together in Lambourne, and they were stable beside one another in Lambourne. That was quite amazing, really. So what could you describe that when they that re Oh the whinny and the place down and they're running around and talking to one another and one with their head over the other one's neck grooming one another. It was just unbelievable. Unbelievable it was. Of course then I had to do a bit of furniture moving in the yard because I had to have the two of them beside one yeah. another again. <laughs> okay. Otherwise there was going to be more heartbreak. Yeah. You've described, I've seen you describe that day in Ballinrobe as, very impo- as a very important day. Was it just in the context of the yard, you'd just come back to Ireland, there was a lot kind of riding on it? Well, I think, certainly in my case, I will freely admit that I always have myself on trial. I'm always on trial. Are you doing this right? Are, you, are, your, are your conscience clear? I was probably, the day in Ballon Robe really went back to um, Galway in August. First of all, it was a very big thing for Paul Nolan to walk over to me, and he left his owners to walk over to me. And that was, that was a real, now I know Paul, but I wouldn't say that myself and Paul were best buddies or anything like that. A, a mutual respect. Well, mm. there was a huge thing for him to walk away from his owners mm. and put his head, particularly when they had a horse in the race that they clearly yeah. fancied. Okay? Yeah. And I, I think the one thing that you always have to try and do here um, while we're on this earth is play it up on the table, acknowledge your faults, tell the truth. If you tell the truth, people are quite reasonable with you and they'll cut you a bit of slack. Now, I had given Paul, without prejudicing anything, I'd given him a fair pen picture in the March time about the horse, okay? Now, when I rang Joseph up and said, Joseph, you need to send me down the money to buy this horse, um, it was small money, 
but it was a lot more than the horse was worth. It was probably a cheeky enough thing to do, um, but in fairness to him, he came up with the money. I booked Dave across at Christmas time before I'd put a saddle on the horse to ride him. I didn't know when, but I really felt in my mind that I was on top of this. And the way he drove when he came back with his, to his friend and to the lifestyle he had had, all the indications were that he was going to come back to where he was, which was a solid 122 horse, winning off 122, up against it off 124. That's, that's the truth, exactly, yeah. right? And um, it just, the other fella would, was saying, don't ask me, I'm not telling you anything about the horse, but when I rang him up and I wanted to have his wind tidied up in the vets, he didn't say no. He go to the vets, went to the vets, paid the vets. But I was all the time felt you better have called this right one, Brandon. You need to have called this right. And I felt as well, and you're absolutely right, I was back here less than tw just over 12 months. And I felt I needed a chance, or I felt I needed a chance to do something to demonstrate that I knew what I was doing here. And he was that horse. He demonstrated that in good style. He was that horse, yeah. And you mentioned before that when, you've, when you're watching one of your horses in with a chance, you do a good impression of a football hooligan. Were you like that that day at Ballinrobe? Oh, I, I had a call recently. I'm like that all the time, Mark. <laughs> I had a call recently. I saved a horse that I really did think was going to die here two years ago. A horse called um, Pride of Pimlico. Mm. And I sent him to Dundalk and he was there and I was calling him home. And a person said to me, we could hear you on the television in the UK, <laughs> right? I said, they could hear me in Alaska. Don't mind, <laughs> don't mind the UK. And you see, there's no one there, only the owners. And I, I have a place I stand at every different track. And obviously, the commentator was over me. And it was up on Twitter. At BW Duke, must have the loudest voice in racing. <laughs> but, I mean, these things really matter, Mark. Mm -hmm. Like, that horse... The owners paid me for that horse for two years against the veterinary advice that he would never be back. He was seriously ill. And they spent a lot of money trying to find out exactly what was wrong with him, and we weren't able to do that either. Mm -hmm. But to get him back to winning was just absolutely fantastic. And he's run three times in Dundalk since he's been third, fourth and second since, yeah. you know, and they don't have to win for me. It's great when they win, but I, I have understand totally what I'm training. And when I said to you earlier, an 80 plus horse on the flat is a star here. 
because I am dealing with horses that are struggling to hit 60. Mm -hmm. And if you're training a 120 plus horse over fences or hurdles, when you are training horses that are rated 95 and struggling, there is a big gap, you know? There is a big gap. But all I ever ask of the horses is to go to the track and do their best. Once they're doing their best, I am totally delighted. They don't have to win. They don't have to win. And I just get a kick out of them being really competitive. Because I'd love to have a real high-class horse. I think this year I have a couple of very nice horses. I really do, under both codes. But I would love to be having horses like that. But mm -hmm. the truth is, I don't. Mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no sign outside the gate, don't send an 80 horse here, <laughs> or don't send a 120 horse here. But I don't get those horses to train. It's yeah. as simple as that. Bar we're lucky enough to breed one that comes up. Trumps, which we're always trying to do, you're always hoping. It makes no sense breeding these horses, really. You can buy them in the sales, ready to go for as much as it's costing. But you're hoping to find that sea biscuit or farlap mm. all the time, or your open eyes, or your rock aids, or those horses. You're just hoping to put your hands on them, you know? Just one or two other little questions here now. The day he went to Kilbegan after Ballinrobe under a £6 penalty, I don't and you're right in saying he won even more easily that day. I don't suppose you know who was in third that day? I actually don't. It was Liberty Council, who 10 months later would win the Irish Grand National for Dotlow. So there was, there was no mugs. No, 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 no. There are no mugs in Ireland. Yeah, no, that's right. No. You, you later described Mr. Benedictine as a great friend. Was it difficult to, to send them down uh, where he eventually ended up retired or were you just so you were happy that he was going to it? No, I, I feel that you must look after your friends. And yes, with COVID, we haven't been down. But I obviously drive down to see my brother. Yeah. And I see him. Yeah. And in fairness to Raymond, he absolutely loves him. And whatever that horse wants, he gets. Um, I'd say there's horses in training not as well minded and um, he really appreciates him and minds him and that's what it's all about for me that they are looked after the way they should be looked after so i still consider that i've minded them as a friend and speaking of minding your friends as i'm here i have to ask you how is the wonderful oh the wonderful lunatic he's this <laughs> the spring in the air now and there's um he's looking over at mares and fowls where he is saying i'll probably be getting a job in september which he will <laughs> which he, he is fine thank you for asking brilliant at 20 years old now and still going strong it's yeah very strong yeah brendan that's it thank you so much for having me back you're very welcome i, I enjoyed it so much and i know the listeners will as well always a pleasure speaking to you i hope and um, let's hope we can find the mercedes somewhere along the line <laughs> fingers crossed not that we don't love these very much because we do but i'd love to put my hand on the a really really proper one yeah fingers crossed thank you All right, and there we have it. I hope you enjoyed that. What a man Brendan is. Huge, huge thanks to him. And I can only hope that he will have me back someday to complete the hat trick. Thank you also to the show sponsors, Horse Racing Ireland. 
without them this series just wouldn't be happening so please do go and check out the links in the show notes to follow their social media channels and also my own twitter so you get all the updates on future episodes of horse racing heroes and before i let you go uh, a couple of things you could do for me if you'd be so kind uh, it'll only take you a second and it'll mean a lot firstly uh, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode if you are listening on apple podcasts it would be brilliant if you could go and write me a review on there again take you two seconds and any retweeting liking or sharing on social media telling your friends helping the show to grow uh, really does go a long way and will be truly appreciated the next episode of the show will be released on the 1st of september and it is with none other than michael owen about his brilliant horse brown panther uh, i still can't quite believe that that happened but i assure you it's a cracker michael speaks brilliantly in the interview and you don't want to miss it so please do tune in thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon cheers Cheers.